person who would be a trend setter. I know this, we have some of those among us. Uh, if you get a certain type of vehicle, a whole bunch of people just end up buying that same type of vehicle. You ever notice that? Just, there's certain people that just have influence over others. I went in the back and picked this up off the book sh- uh, rack. I knew it was back there. It's a modern-day Abraham, T.R. McDonald. It's Servant of God by Joy Haney. This happened to be her father. It's, uh, it's amazing, this great man of God and his influence over Christian Life Center where Brother Haney pastors in Stockton. I think, of, I don't know if Brother McDonald's still alive. I don't know. I'm not for sure when this was written, but I know that uh, 1985 he was way up in years and I think this was written in 85 I'm not for sure still driving a school bus when I say school bus I'm talking about a church bus uh, working a backhoe uh, I heard Brother Haney say that this man brought more people to Christian Life Center than any other person that he knew of. And when we think of Christian Life Center, you know, it is no doubt the largest United Pentecostal church we have here in the States. But I wonder what effect this one life has had on the city of Stockton. And then if you read the number of children that he had and who they are married to, preachers more specifically, and pastors. In other words, he had sons who were pastors. And their effect on the overall kingdom of God. Now, I'm not here to advertise a book. I just picked it up to, to, to show you what I hope within the next few minutes to convey to you. This is just evidence of what God can do. Take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter. Ezekiel 22. And while you're turning, I do want to welcome all of our guests. We are so thrilled that you have chosen to come to be with us. May God richly bless you and not making any assumption about your experience in God, I do trust that when you leave, regardless of where you are in God, that your relationship will be strengthened and you will feel much closer to the Master. In a time in which Israel was needing, oh, they were needing, the touch of Almighty God upon them, verse 30, of Ezekiel 22. The Bible says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. In other words, basically what God was saying, I was looking for somebody that just had a burden enough to step out 
and do what needed to be done so that the land would not be destroyed. The need of another good man. Now, I hope that you understand whenever I put the word man on there that I am actually talking about mankind, people in general. Now, the Bible is written in the masculine gender. Uh, the Bible speaks of being born again, and it's addressed to the ma to the it's it is addressed in the masculine gender. For a long time, the English language was that way: a salesman, a mailman, an iceman, a milkman. Now it's salesperson and such, and this has come about as a result of the feminist movement and. Uh, I'm just going to use the masculine gender in direct defiance. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> because I'm using this in direct defiance, doesn't mean that I do not believe that our ladies are extremely important and valuable. You are. There's just certain changes that are taking place that are really not as good as what they may appear on the surface. Some of them are. You understand what I'm saying? Some are. But some are not. You may be seated. Last Thursday evening I felt such a burden and I still feel that since the November presidential elections that there has been spilled out into the public sector the greatest avalanche of immorality. You can hardly turn on the radio without hearing some talk show about the changes that are taking place. And I carefully observed conversations to find out how many people would use Scripture it's almost like it's an embarrassment to even talk about the Bible. And the few people that called in and used Scripture right away, the commentators would cut them off and even laugh at them. Now that's the, that's the, that's the climate of our present hour. And I've even noticed that ministers standing up behind the pulpit in, and addressing assemblies like this, that it's almost like there's certain things they're afraid to say. Because you never know. You might be listening and there may be a lawsuit. Everybody's suing everybody and just a real crazy world and we will live to see the day in which the Bible is is just you know there's no respect for it now but you're going to live to see the day in which people are going to just openly make fun of anyone who talks about scripture we'll do that could you believe that in all of Israel God could not find a man to stand for his cause. He just couldn't find anybody. I mean, nobody. 
no one that was willing. And while I do realize the value of corporate witnessing, I also understand that sometimes the two or three are not possible unless there is at first the one person. Some of you stand alone in your family as the only person who knows God. Then after a while you choose a spouse and children come along and your children find the Lord and after a while your children grow up and they choose a spouse and someone of the Lord and after a while there's a large family that knows God that started out by one person taking a stand for what is right. I preach Grandma Davis's funeral. I made this statement, and we didn't have many people there, but we had a few people there. Uh, Grandma Davis was 97 years old, born in 1896. Her son, Russell, who's a member of Brother Kaskis Church, and the Lord told me, he said, you know, we were just believing that our mom was going to be here a lot longer. And the reason why is because she was such a healthy person. And not only that, she came from a long, long, long line of people that were noted for advanced age or ages. Now, they say the secret of longevity is to choose the right parents. <clears throat> you know, I got to thinking about this after Russell, Brother Russell told me this, and uh, I made mention of it at the funeral, but, you know, it's amazing how someone of her age can have such a link, a network in the world. I'm going to personal touch if uh, Grandma Davis's relatives some of them up near her age you know, were present around her the time of her birth if they looked in her eyes as a young baby it's possible that some of those relatives who looked at her as a tiny little child an infant could have been born in the late 1700s. Can you believe that? Grandma Davis with her many children and many grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren. It is possible that Grandma Davis could have looked in the eyes of one of those great-great-great-grandchild And uh, one of those little babies, that if these same characteristics are passed on, that that child could live near the year of 2,100. Now you think about a woman's life and the possibility 
that exist in such a network that from one person there is a link to the late 1700s to the year of 2100. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Now, a lot of people live advanced to an advanced age and, and don't really influence or affect many people. I made uh, reference to this. Grandma Davis is one of the few people that I've known that probably if she had lived in the late 1700s, she'd have been exactly like she was. And if, for some reason, God had to put her in a setting exactly the way I knew her and the way you knew her uh, in the year of 2100, she probably would have fit just as much there as she did in our present day. Just one of those rare individuals that just seemed to be so normal that she was abnormal. Just what she was and never fussed or fought with people and just got along with everybody and just such a precious, sweet lady. But I think all of that leads you to believe that there can be extraordinary, extraordinary influences placed upon individuals' lives to the point that it does alter or change large family networks. Years ago, I read Lenore Ravenhill's book on why revival tarries. How many of you read that? A good number of you. If you never read it, you need to read it. I don't really know this man, but I know one thing. He has certainly influenced a lot of people through his writings. He made this statement. He said, Someday some poor wretched fool traveling down life's road is going to stumble across the Bible, pick it up, read it, believe it, live it, and put the rest of us to shame. Now that's quite a, quite a statement. Quite a statement. I've lived long enough to believe that success in God is never predicated upon any one particular thing that any individual does. But success in God is predicated upon continual occurrences. Does it matter how hard you pray at the altar tonight? Yes, but it also matters you pray at the altar tomorrow night or the next night or the next night or, or the next service, right? I like to see people who are faithful. I think God is looking for that. It's one of the great powers, virtues of Christianity. People who are just hanging in there all the time. Success, many times, is determined by the wisest choice 
of many reasonable alternatives. In other words, priorities have to be exact because some can be not so bad, but not just as good as. And so choices can be made. Doesn't make any difference how good you can sing if you never sing. Doesn't make any good difference how well you can witness if you don't witness. It doesn't make any difference how much you can touch heaven strong with your prayers if you don't pray. Doesn't make any difference how charming your personality is if you are afraid of people. You don't use it. Your abilities really don't make that much difference if those abilities are not put into practice. I remember when Brother Bill Smith came here and he preached a message about I sought for a man. He called to our attention the example of his son who was an invalid. Now, I don't even know his son's name. It's, I think his name was Billy, but I'm not for sure. I think he, after his dad. But this young man, who was an invalid in a wheelchair, had a bus route. And on one Sunday, he had over 200 people in church. That's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? This young man had to call someone up and did and solicit their help in order to go out on the streets. Couldn't do it without somebody pushing him along. Nobody prompted him. Nobody, nobody made him do this. He just felt, after hearing his dad preach for a while, that there's really no excuse. When I was in Bible school in Houston, Texas, one of our pastors gave this particular example. He said, I preached a message. And uh, I really challenged our people. And I challenged them that they can come to church. He said, everybody that's here, you know, you can come on a regular basis. And, and the reason why he said this, he said, because he said, I had people who were in wheelchairs. And I just told him, I said, you get other places. I see you in the marketplace. You go to see the doctor and everything. If you want to come, somebody will help you come. One lady who was blind decided because she was very limited and could not witness that she would just pray. So she prayed and fasted that week, you know, the chain prayer and fasting like we have. She prayed and fasted that week, went to the telephone, picked up the receiver, and dialed at random another, a number, witnessed to the person. The person came out to the very next service, found their way to the altar, and received the Holy Ghost. One blind lady with blind faith <laughs> said, well, I guess I can witness if the preacher, the pastor says I can and just call someone at random and they came in and received the Holy Ghost. A few good men. <clears throat> I think the 
Reigns advertise. That way, we're looking for a few good men. You know, just a handful of people, if you look in the, in the Bible, shape the course of history for the Old Testament. The Old Testament is basically the history of mankind, and then more specifically, a deviation into the Jewish nation. If you chose three men of the Old Testament that you uh, would like to extract from the Old Testament that would make such a great difference, who would you choose? Let's say if we took Noah, Abraham, and Moses out of the Old Testament. And everything relative to those three men were not there. What would you have? Now think about it. Now basically I've chosen these three men because they lived, well I think Abraham was probably 400 to 500 years away from Noah. Noah was about 1,700 years away from Adam. You know, the first six chapters of the book of, uh, of the Bible covers about 1,700 years, a long time. You know, we just think that right after creation, a big flood came, and, well, it wasn't right after. It was a, quite a long time after. And then after Noah, about 400 to 500 years later, there's a man by the name of Abraham. And then... After Abraham, another 400 years, a man comes to the scene, or better than 400 years. I think the Egyptian bondage lasted for 435 years total, including Joseph who went in. Here comes a man upon the scene by the name of Moses. So there was no what you call a direct link. In other words, none of these men ever had the opportunity to sit down and talk with the other. So it wasn't a careful, devised scheme or plot to do what they did. I said all that to say basically they just stepped out all alone. No prompting from other people, in other words. Just God. Just God. Never had rain before, but one man believed it would because God said it would. One man stepped out, went to a land that he knew nothing of, crawled to the top of the empty hills and spoke out into blank space to a God that he'd never seen. One not carved out of stone or wood, he believed, that God was a spirit and that God was real. Never really owned any great lands. He was promised that land, but he lived in tents all of his life. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm not much of a camper. I used to like to camp when I was a kid, but I'm not much of a camper. I don't even like to look at tents and in sporting goods stores. Now, some of you do because you're younger. Lay on the ground. I've got so many aches and pains and bad joints and 
There's certain beds I don't even like. I don't like anything smaller than a king-size bed to rest my bones in. But I remember taking our kids to camp. I remember us camping. Can you believe we stayed in a little trailer, one of these little uh, expandable type, you know, raised, top raised up a tent on it and all this. Kept our three boys and, and, and went to all the services at camp. That's when we had afternoon services too. Sun was so hot on that. I couldn't wait till the week was over. If I could just get back home, and I was a young man then, but I, I'm just longing for this. But what if you're like Abraham? I mean, this is home. This is the way it's going to be. It's not going to get any better. I mean, this is just the way it is. And he accepted it. Look at Moses. Moses was born. His parent or his mother put him in a little basket, a little ark, a little ship-like, a little boat, one that she had woven, pushed him out in the water and let him go. He drifted down the river, was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, spent 40 years in the castle. But listen, he went out 40 years in the wilderness. Now, 40 years in a wilderness is a long, long time. You're talking about a contrast from the castle to the wilderness. And then he went back and led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. Now, he didn't have too many people around him encouraging him. Did he? I mean, he just simply didn't have much encouragement. There wasn't many people around him telling him what to do. Let me ask you this. Are you the type of person that you could live for God even if people did not encourage you to? Now, encouragement is very important, you know, but are you the type of person that you just hang in there if nobody ever patted you on the back? What if nobody ever called your name? You know, <clears throat> we talk about men of the Old Testament. You know, Hebrews 11 is kind of the hall of fame, the people who are listed, the hall of fame. What if you were a great man of God and your name was left out of the hall of fame? Now, all of the great saints are not recorded there. Hebrews 11. Let's just turn there just for a minute. Oh, this is such an important book. Such an important chapter. How many, how many names are recorded in Hebrews 11? We'll just have a... We'll take enough time here. Just look at it. We're, we're not in any hurry, are we? At least I'm not. <laughs> Probably later on you'll say he really isn't. But uh, just take a look down through here. Who's the first man that's mentioned there? Verse 4, it's Abel, all right? Verse 5, it's Enoch. And then verse 7 is Noah. Now, maybe somebody's 
And this will be a good lesson for you. Somebody keep score, okay? Verse 8 is Abraham. I said score. Count them. And verse 9 would be Jacob. Isaac first, and then Jacob. And then verse 11 is Sarah. All right, and I don't see any through verse 14. Verse 15, 16. Verse 17, Abraham's mentioned again, but we've already counted him. And Isaac is in verse 18, we've counted him. And then we have Jacob. We didn't count Jacob, did we? We did? All right. Now, Esau is mentioned here, but please understand that Esau is, the reference is made, he was not a faithful person. So we don't count Esau. And then verse 21, we see Joseph. All right, we didn't mention Joseph, did we? All right, Joseph is another one. How many have we counted so far? Eight, all right. And then verse 23, Moses. All right, and then we go on down. And then there's, of course, Pharaoh's daughter, but we don't count her because uh, it's just a reference made concerning Moses. And then we go to, uh, all right, we go to verse uh, 31, Rahab. All right, and then verse 32, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, verse 32. And then we go to the end of the chapter, and that's it. How many is that? Sixteen. Now, I said all that to say one thing. Do you know that Joshua is not mentioned in it? Did you know that Daniel is not mentioned in it? Do you think that in God's roll call or in God's hall of fame that Joshua is there? I'm sure he is because there is a reference in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. <clears throat> you think it's an oversight? Well, I guess all the scripture, you know, is inspired of God. It's probably not an oversight. It's just that it just wasn't mentioned. Sometimes names are not mentioned. It's not an intentional intentional uh, leaving out of a name. But what if somebody, what if you had contributed something so great to the history of a nation and yet your name was never mentioned? How would you feel? How would you feel? Because you've got to understand, this would have no bearing whatsoever on Joshua's salvation because Joshua had been in the grave for many, many long years. It's also true of Daniel. But encouragement is such a big, big thing, such a big factor, and so needed. I could preach a message on the value of encouragement. And it's necessary for me to stand here and for you to stand here when you're up here. It's necessary for us to pass this on to people, our sincere appreciation. Give honor where honor is due. 
we should not withhold praise when it is in our power to do so. That's what the Bible says. But what if, however, someone did not fulfill their obligation and several months or perhaps even a year or so would pass and your name was never mentioned publicly or nobody ever came up and patted you on the back. What would it do to you? In other words, what I'm saying is that there are rare individuals recorded in the annals of history that nobody ever patted on the back and encouraged because there was just nobody around to do it. These people are what you call real prime movers, trend setters. People who can did and will continue to shape history. In the New Testament, if you took out three names in the New Testament and you really wanted to alter the course of history, what three names would you take out? Well, number one, Jesus. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Let's say if we took out Jesus, John the Baptist, and Paul, how would the New Testament read? If you took out those six names that I have called to your attention out of the Bible, it would be almost like the, the threads would fall out and the pages would fall out. Nothing would be held together. In other words, it's, it's not complete. It's not there. It's not there. But it is true that they are there. And for divine purpose and reason. And I'm not for sure, you know, if, if these men had to fail God, if, that God did not have an alternate plan. I purposely think, I, I say purposely, I think that God purposely put an alternate plan and Jesus Christ's name is mentioned. You may say an alternate plan. It was not God's will for a man to sin. But because he sinned, even before his sin, there was a plan or provision to save man in the event it occurred. Would it be righteous for God to judge a man for doing something if the man had no other choice? But God judges sin because man had a choice. It's like a big skyscraper, let's say, that someone's building. Now, the architect in designing this, he's not saying that what we're going to do, we're going, we're going to expect 50 men to fall off of this thing and die. So we'll just put a few booby traps around so that We'll just get it over with. No, that's not the way it is. However, in the corporate plan of all this, there are some safety devices and such, and maybe even an ambulance on site because of the risk 
that men take in putting this up if in the event someone does fall. But don't go push somebody off just because it's going to happen. And Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Man did not have to sin. But I'm saying that this was an alternate. And thank the Lord for the alternate plan. Because if God had not have made the provision in the event man had sinned, we would be left without any hope. We, we look at Israel and we look at Moses and I, I think it's pretty plain in the scripture, Psalm 106.23. Um, there, there's a scripture that, that is mentioned about, about, about Moses. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them. But Moses did stand there. And you know, that's what God was looking for someone to stand in the gap when he was going to destroy Israel when no one would stand in the gap. But God's wrath was kindled against Israel. God didn't want to save Israel like Israel was. God just wanted to raise up some man that would go in and change Israel so he wouldn't have to destroy it. You know, the reason why that I feel, I feel so heavy with what I'm saying tonight is because I can see a dark cloud on the destiny of the world. I see a dark cloud coming up on the human race. Does God want to destroy man? Absolutely not. But destruction is inevitable because of man's sin, he wants, however, to call forth you to make the difference. Can you make a difference? Well, we're looking at now five and a half billion people on the planet Earth. That's a lot of people. But you look at one man like Brother Billy Cole, and I'll tell you what we need to do in, included in our prayer and fasting. We need to pray for Brother Billy Cole because he's on his trip now. We need to pray. But here is one man with faith that went to Ethiopia last year where 30,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Could a small-town preacher from West Virginia make that much of a difference? Well, not only can he, he did. If you trace the tracks of Billy Cole from his teenage years to this particular moment in which he was standing before the people, you got to understand that, you know, when James talks of Elijah, that he was a man of like passions as we that when he spoke of the likeness of Elijah to us 
you know, he's, he's talking about common situations like, like we have. Sometimes you see people of importance and prominence and prestige and such, and, and, and you think that they, they, they never really were like us. Oh, yes. Talk with Brother Billy Cole. Talk about some of the places that he pastored. Every now and then I'm invited to go someplace and preach and, and I see what some of these great men of God are doing and I think, I wonder what it's like in their home. I wonder what it's like in their office. Some of these churches I go in, the pastors say, my office is over here. And I go in, he's got a little old tiny cubby hole someplace. And I go inside and there's, there's tapes, you know, audio tapes scattered all over the place and books over here and notes over here and and a library, and I look around, and I thought, well, this is just kind of like my office. You know? I go to their homes, and I get ready to go to bed, and I see dust underneath the edge of the bed. Open the windows the next morning, and see dust on the windows, and I say, well, this is not any extraordinary place, just common old place like our place. But yet, from out of the humble surroundings steps a person that makes a difference. A world of a difference. A person just like you. A person just like me. I I look around us and I I I I think of some among us that's really made a difference. Our children stood up here and they brought home this first place trophy. Let me see this brother. Isn't this great? First place trophy. This was made mention of in our conference uh, Wednesday night, Friday night, I don't know. Not Wednesday night, Friday night. <clears throat> kind of squared my shoulders. Our kids won first place out of how many teams, Brother Hicks? Out of 15 teams, they won first place. You see those little children up here? Some of them, you wonder how so much knowledge can get in such a little tiny head. This morning, Megan was going to say the 23rd Psalm. <clears throat> she got scared to death. you got to understand these little children. When they're up here and they get nervous, their reactions are so different. You notice when they get nervous, some will turn around and punch at one, another one or something. But weren't they, weren't they beautiful standing up here? You, know? you see someone so tiny, you say, How? now can she actually say that? I see these little children that run around here. It seems like I just dedicated them yesterday. And here they're at a Christian school and you go in and they're actually writing and working on these paces and, and all this. It's like little Lana was just in our arms a few days ago and she's writing these, you know, she writes letters to Grandpa and Grandma all the time. Just, they're just so precious. You can't save them all, but you'd like to save them all. You just... 
You know, and you see this run here. I want Brother Hicks to stand up. Brother Hicks, would you stand up? This one man has carried the burden for this for 10 years. And could I say something? He went several years, and we hardly even placed. But he kept on believing. And this is where his burden was. And he kept on pushing and kept on pushing. And all of a sudden, things began to click and they began to come together. One man has made the difference. Thank you, Brother Hicks, for believing that it can be done. Praise God. Mm. Brother Rossing came into our church and he began to witness to people and began to tell people about the Lord. And Brother, Brother Rossing just has bulldog tenacity. You know, he just, man, I'll tell you, he can, he can latch on and hold on like a junkyard bulldog. He gave his heart to the Lord and I remember the first service that his wife came to. It was some kind of musical, wasn't it? We were having something like that. Who was... Uh, do we have a special speaker? Christmas program. I'll tell you, I, I watched her, seeing what she was doing. We've been praying. Here she is. She's here. I don't remember exactly what happened that night, but... Uh, I don't think a lot happened that night. But somebody kept on praying. After a while, Kitty Rawson came in the church. I remember him coming to see me and he said, Now, how do I get my wife to want to grow spiritually? I said, Well, you have to give her enough time, just like you have been given enough time. He was delivering Pepsi over the church. That's how he, that was his link to our church, the Pepsi machine. He would come in and talk with me. He'd been listening to Garner Ted Armstrong, The World Tomorrow, Worldwide Church of Prophecy. He'd ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. After a while, Sister Rossing started digging in, digging in, digging in. Sister Ross, I want you to stand here. He's the head of our Christian development class, and she's the principal of our Christian school. I want all these Ross and children to stand. Where are they? All of them baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that great? Oh, keep standing, okay? Got to keep standing. Now I want everyone that the Rossings invited to church and they came out and received the Holy Ghost. I want you to stand. Would you do that? All right. Look at this. Now, Glenn is standing. All of those that 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 uh, are here as a result of Glenn Uselman being here, I want you to stand. Okay. 
All of those that are here as a result of Sandin's being here. Would you stand? Now, <clears throat> there's getting to be quite a few people. Now, let me ask you this. All of you that are here as a result of someone that's standing, would you stand? Now, is there anybody else here that's a result of someone that's standing? You see, you never know the value of telling one person about God. Just look around to people. Just one man. And I can assure you of this. There are many other people in other churches that would be standing if they were present here tonight. I think we ought to lift our hands and thank the Lord for that. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I said we need another good man. We've got many, many good, precious people. But I'm calling on some of you, brothers and sisters, to arise tonight to the challenge to say, I'm going to make a difference too. Praise God. That's so important. I believe that some, somewhere in this city... There's another person that if you went unto God, they'll fill up several pews. I meant rows of seats. We don't have pews in this building. But rows of seats right here at Calvary Gospel Church. I remember one time in La Crosse, I told this story before, but I remember one time in La Crosse, which we were just struggling. We were having visitors to come out, and people would come down, and they'd re- we'd baptize them in Jesus' name, but they just wouldn't seem to... We just couldn't pray them through. We had a good number of people that had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Sister Grant and I, we started fasting and praying. We started seeking the Lord. Brother Blackshear was pastor of this church. He came over, Brother Blackshear, and I spent a couple of nights at church. Hot summer nights. Oh, it was hot. It was so hot in that church you could hardly stand it. It was not air-conditioned. And all night long we prayed and we sought the Lord. We prayed and we sought the Lord. Would you believe that in on a Sunday night walked a brother and sister from down in Texas? This brother was all crippled up, could hardly walk. He was a foreman on a on a, a tank building, uh, a storage tank, like a water tank uh, for the city, and he fell 60 feet off of a scaffold and broke himself up. But as soon as he became able to just get around, uh, they transferred him to a little town near La Crosse where they, was building, they were building a water tower and he was doing some engineering, supervising or whatever. In walks this brother and this sister. I gave it my best in preaching that night. The altar service was going on and several people around the altar praying and, and we, just, we just didn't have the breakthrough that, that we needed and 
this sister came up to me and she said, you know, we're new here and you don't know us, but she said, I, I like to pray with people at the altar. And she told me, she said, my name is Sister Ford. I forget her first name. Don't think it was Betty. But, <clears throat> but uh, she said, uh, you, you mind if I pray? And, and of course, uh, maybe sometimes I, I look skeptical. I don't know. She said, oh, if you're, you're skeptical of this, she said, I'm sure our service uh, leader or whoever's in would, would be glad to get our pastor now. He'd talk with you on the phone. I thought, well, why such a rush? I mean, my, you don't have to pray tonight, do you? You know, but, but you know, the thing about it is, this, there's something had gotten a hold of this lady. She didn't want this moment to pass. She didn't want this service to pass. And I thought, well, I think I can pretty much pretty much take care of anything that that get that get that's not right. And so I said, well, sure. So she went down there, and the first thing she did now, she had on a uh, a blazer, and she pulled this blazer off, and uh, then she took her shoes off, and I mean, just very methodically. And then she went over and she sat down by this one teenage girl and she began to pray with her. And finally she got up real close to her and said, Honey, if you want the Holy Ghost, we're going to have to really pray. You want the Holy Ghost? And I mean, she just kind of took over. Now she wasn't real forceful, but, but she was. She had a way. And it wasn't long until this girl that we just couldn't even get to do anything. She was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. She called a few sisters around and said, come on, let's get around. And they got around and they kept praying with her. She gets up, takes her shoes and her blazer over to another spot, plops them down, sits down, and takes over. I don't know, I think it was about five people that night that this one sister prayed through. Well, after service, I wanted to talk to her and her husband. and We began to talk, and she said, You know, Brother Grant, the Lord gave me a calling. And I said, Oh, I thought she was going to tell me she wanted to preach. I said, oh, she said, uh, yes. I said, well, just what is your calling? She said, my calling is to work with people at the altar. And I said, uh, well, you certainly are effective, I can tell you. She said, you don't know the days and the hours that I spent reading the Bible just to increase my faith. She said, I believe that you can give people faith by quoting Scripture. She said, I quote a lot of Scripture to people. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now here's a lady that all of a sudden, it was like the light came on inside of her, and she realized her purpose in life. I later on talked to her pastor, 
And her pastor said she has literally prayed through thousands of people, Brother Graham. I really mean this. If we have a big convention or anything here in Texas, she goes. I mean, she, she gets down to the front. And she does it, I mean, without any assistance or any help. Do you know what we're in need of here at Calvary Gospel Church? We're in need of some altar workers. Now you think about the people that pray at our altar. What if we had a Sister Ford in this church? Let me ask let me just ask you something. You see, <clears throat> If, if right now the need of another good man, what if right now we had one person that would rise up and say, I believe that my calling is to bring people to church. And we had one more person that would say, my calling is to pray people through. And, and you got past all of your fears and all of your inhibitions and you sought you sought this just like a pastor would seek God for a message when you went in the, the prayer room you prayed for the altar service specifically for the altar service the altar call just like the pastor has been praying and when someone came down to the front weeping, or someone that didn't even know what to do, you felt this is my opportunity to minister to some soul that wants eternal life. I'm saying that if we had just two people. Now, you may say, well, we, we have... People. I'm talking about two more. The title of this is we need another. Another one. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. You think of what it would do. I'll tell you what it would do. It would transform Calvary Gospel Church. I know what I'm talking about. The person that I'm speaking of is here tonight. God would not have given me this message for you if you were some other place. You know, we're always wanting, we need more teaching on this. We need more teaching on this. We need more teaching on this. We've got several ministries. But you can teach and teach and teach until people get it in their heart. This is what I want to do for God. As Romans 12, when it speaks of ministry and, and waiting upon that ministry. Waiting doesn't mean just spending a long time doing nothing. Because no one particular thing that you will ever do will make you successful in God. But success in God is predicated upon continual occurrences. 
It's not your big splash tonight or last night. But it's being faithful to that ministry. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Are you feeling tonight what I'm feeling? Think of all the ministers we ministries we have. Sunday school. We have a lot of good Sunday school teachers, but we need a, another good Sunday school teacher. I'm talking about one that will step in a classroom and totally transform the atmosphere. Now, you may be in there already. If you take what you're doing to heart and you'd start praying about it, you're that person I'm talking about. Think about what Brother Thomas has done in the era of prayer. Just getting a burden to pray. How it's caught on fire and people are coming. And we have several people, but we need another good one. Oh, hallelujah. We have so many people that can sing such great blessings. I'm always disappointed when singers come in and they say, they just send word of, I'm not singing tonight. You know, I think if a person's not singing, or if you're not doing anything that's your own schedule, do you at least owe the common courage to saying why you're not doing it? What if all of a sudden I came in and said, I'm not preaching tonight, I just decided I just didn't want to. Didn't have enough time to study. You wouldn't buy that, would you? No. Do you think that your ministry is important? If you don't, you ought not be doing it. And if you're doing it, you ought to catch a vision. And you ought to pray about it. And you ought to practice. And you ought to come here full of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are times, especially with singers, because we've had so much flu and everything, that you, your voice is just not right. You know, you can preach a message when your voice is sharp or when it's gravelly. Singing, you know, that's a little bit different, you know. You sing like a bird. Well, a crow's a bird, you know. They don't sound too good, so. <clears throat> you, you understand, well, I don't want to make it so hard that you'd be discouraged. I'm just simply saying, let's take it to heart. you're doing is extremely important. By the time the first praise singer gets in the door, stands behind the microphone phone, and opens the mouth to sing. This is my ministry. I'm going to make a difference in this service. The service leader that stands behind the podium. I'm going to make a difference in this service. God has called me to do this. I've had several people recently ask me about, do we have some lessons on teaching home Bible studies? Several people talk about, do we have some lessons on Witnessing. 
Now, the Bible says he that one sold is wise, and I think maybe we misunderstood this. Uh, most people interpret this to mean in order to win souls, you have to be wise. Do you think the Bible is stating that, or is the Bible saying that you are wise in your decision to win souls? You are wise because you decided to win one. Now, you think about what I'm saying. Now, I say that because of this, that the best soul winners I have ever known wouldn't even know how to teach you. They don't even know what they do. They just have a burden to tell the story of Jesus. altar workers you want lessons in how to pray people through at the altar what you need is a burden I'd say that most of you know a lot more about what you're doing than what you are presently putting into it you hear me How many of you would like to teach home Bible studies and be more productive? Would you raise your hand? All right. How many of you would like to be better at witnessing? Would you raise your hand? How many of you would like to be better altar workers? You know, we have some, I don't know why, I feel a burden for this altar working thing right now. Don't respond yet. But think about it. I, I feel two areas. One is bringing people to church, and that can be through home Bible study or whatever. The other is praying people through. I think that would transform our church, Brother Thomas. How many of you would be willing, don't do it now, to get up and come down to the front and say, I believe that God's calling me to do this. And when you do, you would go on a real quest for this ministry and put it into effect as much as you could. Now think about it. I'm going to give you the opportunity to come down here. How many people could be like Brother T.R. McDonald and say, I'll give my life to build the body of Christ? Think of that. I mean, Sunday school teachers will say, Brother Grant, I believe it's time for me to change. I'm going to make a difference in my class. I'm going to make a difference. We have had among us some people recently that in their own personal devotion they have decided I'm changing my family I'm changing my life I'm making a change and they have pursued that and they're well on track 
of doing it. It has been a challenge. But they're doing it. I talked to one brother. Go through your house. Lay hands on every bed. Pray for your children when they're asleep. Whatever you have to do. I mean, I would cleanse and purify my house. I'd set that house on fire with the power of the Holy Ghost. When people walk inside, let them say, Oh, there's something in this place. Now, you may say differently, but you know, there, there, we, we use this as a fellowship hall, and the kids romp and stomp and everything during school. But I'll tell you one thing. I like to see this place respected. I've had a lot of people walk in here during service time, and they say, something feels different in here. It's like all the devils of hell have been chased miles away from this place. Hmm. And there are times in which you have to rise up and say, look, God's calling me to do something. And nothing is going to stop it. I mean, nothing. We need two or three sisters and two or three brothers that will stand up right now and come down to the front and say, Brother Grant, I want to make a difference in praying at the altar. I'm going to pursue this. Oh, God. I believe you share this common hunger with me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Seek God right now. Now, we don't have enough room around the front, but how many of you would stand out there and say, Brother Grant, I have a burden to bring people to church. Oh, God. I'll tell you what, why don't you do this? You that have a burden to bring people to church, why don't you just look around if you see a guest that's here? Why don't you go thank that guest for coming and ask that guest if he or she'd like to pray. And if someone in, invites you to pray and you don't choose to, don't be embarrassed. We're not doing this to hurt your feelings. We're doing it because we care. Can you invite somebody to pray now? Oh, God. How many of you Sunday school teachers would like to stand, or maybe you're not a Sunday school teacher, but you'd just like to make a difference in your world?
Why don't you stand right now? You who are in the children's church, I want to make a difference, Brother Grant. I want to make a difference. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, let's all continue to reach out for God. Husbands and wives, why don't you pray together? Brothers and sisters, why don't you pray together? Let's reach out to Jesus right now. If you're here and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is a great time for you to seek God. We won't take this lightly. This is going to burn inside of our souls. This service is going to make a difference. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, set me a fire, make me a flame. Burn deep down inside of my soul the message of redemption, the message of salvation. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Let's continue to pray for each other. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. God, give us victory here in the house of God tonight. Touch our hearts, O oh Lord, with Your Holy Spirit. Glory, 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, I love you. I worship you. I praise you, God. 
And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. And though the cost be great, I'll work 